I manage their wardrobe. I tell them what to buy, what's in, what's latest, what's new. Try and find them things that are hard to find. Consult them on their next big day. Lovely. And how long have you been doing this for? I've been working as a stylist for now, gosh, I have to count, 2014, six or eight years. When you were growing up, did you imagine yourself to become a private client stylist or a stylist at all? No, I had never imagined that. That was Asif Somji. He's, as mentioned, a private client stylist. Featured by the Rake magazine, he's actually one of the most sought-after stylists in Dubai. Until last year, he was working for himself. But then he decided on a big move. He now works for a company called Farfetch, taking on a new challenge in the world of fashion. This is his story. Hello there. I'm Amir Khan and this is a Z Medium podcast, a podcast that talks to people and about them too. We take out the most significant experiences of an individual and package it in the form of a story, sharing those with you. We narrate people's journeys in the simplest way we can. There's a new person every episode, so do check out the previous ones. I'm sure you'll find someone to relate to. Let's start with this one, shall we? This story starts midway. To be more precise, in the beginning of 2014. I was I was always keen on on learning about fashion and the business of fashion and um but I never did anything about it. I just mm. it was just a passion. But uh, 2014 actually just earlier on early in 2014 I started doing a course, a stylist, a styling course, okay? Okay. It was online and it was just randomly, I mean, just saw an ad pop up and I said, "You know what? Oh, this is cool. Let's just do it, you know?" So, um I did it. And uh, I was in the middle of it and I fell ill. I was diagnosed with cancer, uh, the kidney cancer, actually. I had no idea this was going to happen. Um, I was not sick. I didn't have any pain. It was just a random checkup at the hospital and they found a tumor. So they said that we have to operate and remove the kidney. So at that point, I was in the middle of this course, actually. And I, and I wrote to them to say that, listen, I need to do a surgery. And can you, because I was about to give my exams or the final whatever. And they said, sorry, you just have to redo the course. And I said, I'm not going to redo the course, you know. Um, so I, I just decided to just finish it. So I finished that very quickly. I went through my surgery. And then after the surgery, I mean, it was not the easiest surgery in the world. I mean, going back now eight years, it was... It was looking back, it was, it was tough because of the removal of the organ. It's not the easiest thing. So the recovery time was, was long. So I think I was at home for like four months, four or five months. I'm not sure. Um, and during that time at home, I decided to do something about this stylist course that I had done. And I mm. said, you know what, maybe, maybe there's some interest out there. So I started to like do a bit more research and started to create and then ask how I created the name Styled in Dubai. I don't know if you've heard of it, but basically Styled in Dubai, which is my Instagram account, came from that. And with the help of a few friends and contacts that I knew, uh, we did a little bit of a photo shoot and posted on Facebook. At the time, it was Facebook. People loved it, you know. Mm. So everybody was asking me, like, how does this work? And, you know, I was still even getting to know it. I don't think Dubai had a male stylist at the time. So I was getting a lot of requests from men 
as well. And so that's how it all began, really. Everything was coincidental. The decision to take the course, finding about the cancer, and taking the plunge from a well-established business to being a stylist and pursuing his lifelong passion of fashion. But was it coincidental, really? If you take a closer look, things do add up. Every time something like cancer, something that big, hits you, it makes you reflect on the life that you have lived, number one, and the life you want to live ahead, number two. And he chose the life he wanted to live after the cancer. Would it have been different if he had never been through the disease? Well, we will never know. All we can say now is, it all works out for the best. Was it before the surgery or after the surgery that the light bulb went out saying, I think I should pursue this? After, after. Before the surgery, I was in no frame of mind. I was in no frame of mind to do anything, actually. Mm. After the surgery is when I had a lot of time on my hands. Because I was, when I say I was recovering for four months, I was recovering for four months at home, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I would go out for an hour, maybe if I could, but I was literally recovering. Yeah. So I had a lot of time on my hands. So that's when the light bulb went off. And, and I said, you know what, maybe this could be something I could do on the side, you know. So I started off as a side thing. I was uh, part of my family business at the time. I was working in my family business, but I had taken some time off to recover. So mm-hmm. I was doing this on the side. And when I finally recovered and started to go to the mall and shop for people and shop with people, I was learning the trade, you know, but I was right. doing that as a side thing initially. Yeah. But your education so, was never in this though. No, my education was, I studied in, uh, at York University in Toronto. I did my bachelor's degree in business and um, yeah, that was basically my... Right. Where were you born and brought up? I was born in Dubai. I was brought okay. up in Dubai. I lived here till I was 18. Uh, when I was 18, I left to Toronto mm-hmm. to study. I was supposed to live there for three years. I ended up living there for 10 I enjoyed it. I worked there. I got married. We lived there after marriage, maybe five years, I think. And uh, and yeah, I built a life for myself there. So it was really like became sort of my home. In 2007, uh, I decided to come back. He needed a change. And coming to Dubai with his own family was a welcome change. Up until 2014, the only thing he knew was to grow up, go to university, study management and join the family business. There was an inclination towards fashion, but that always, always took a back seat, even in Canada, after his graduation. He set up his family business there and was leading it for 10 years before coming back to Dubai. But his heart wasn't really into it. He knew somewhere. Had he known what he knows now, he would have taken a different route altogether. Had he known, he would have pursued fashion right when he was a child when was your first interaction with fashion though do you remember it oh as a kid watching fashion tv for some reason we used to get that channel and it was uh, very fascinating to be honest so i used to watch that i don't know if you ever watch fashion tv it's very strange so 24 7 just <laughs> just fashion shows and um there's hardly any talking it's just one show after the other. I mean, there are interviews and whatnot, but like it's literally just one show after the other. And I don't know if it's still on even. I never watch it anymore. But as a kid, I remember watching it. And it would just be music background and people just walking on catwalks. I guess Hmm. that would be my first interaction with fashion. 
I've always felt that I wanted to do something different, but I uh, never actually actioned it either. Uh, there were different points in life where for, for some reason or the other, I couldn't action it. Okay. Or I didn't feel that I was the right time. Sometimes things happen for a reason. So, so I didn't action it then. I didn't action it, you know, after I got married and I didn't action it after I moved back to Dubai. And then it's only when I fell sick, I guess I realized that life is really short and um, you need to, it's, it's either now or never, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so I sort of tested the waters and in testing the waters, I kind of realized that it's, it's something that I can, I can do. And then, I was working as a freelance stylist till 2020. And then in 2020, we had our second baby in June. And in July, I was diagnosed again mm. uh, with the same cancer that reappeared on the liver. And um, so this is just very recent. This is like about two years ago, literally mm. almost two years ago. And so I had to do another operation <laughs> where they had to cut my liver this time. Luckily, it was early days. So uh, there was no issue as such. I mean, there was an issue, but there was no, uh, wasn't going to die, basically. It was uh, basically just had to cut my liver. I say just had to cut my liver, but it was a big deal. Uh, yeah. 40% of my liver, but the liver grows back. So, you know, eventually it grew back. But recovery was a lot easier. The recovery time was a lot less. The surgery was a bit more difficult. But after that surgery is when Farfetch offered me the job. Okay. And I thought, okay, well, maybe this is the next step in life. So every it's almost like every, I have to go through a surgery every time something big. <laughs> so, so at that point, I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. And it was, uh, in a way, it was a step up. In a way, it was a step down. You know, it was a step down okay. in the sense that I had, for the first time in my life, at this age, I'm starting to go work for someone. I wasn't going to be doing the same work in a sense, but I was still a stylist, but I had less freedom in the sense that I was working for someone. But after joining Farfetch, I could definitely say that um, in terms of my freedom, nothing changed because it's an amazing company with amazing culture uh, and they never manage you. They're very, uh, you, you manage yourself. Like I've, I've not felt like I've been working for someone at all. Mm. And um, in fact, I've probably learned in the last I think it's been eight months I've been at Farfetch, eight or nine months. I think I've learned more in nine months than I probably learned for seven years. Someone who technically hasn't worked a day in his life for anyone else decided to take a job. That was a big move for him, especially when he was leading a very comfortable life before this. In retrospect, it is very difficult to get out of your comfort zone at the age of 41 and start fresh in another company. He was doing the same thing, yes, uh, being a stylist. But now there is a reputation to take care of. The reputation of a big company. Deadlines, client pressures, schedule management. It was all very new to him. From managing his workflow at his own pace, he now manages upwards of 200 clients at any point of time. It was a very new challenge uh, in many ways, not just uh, as a stylist, but... Also, personally, it was a challenge because I left a, a very comfortable family business right. to go work for someone. So I had to make sure it worked. 
I yeah. couldn't at it, you know, so there was a lot of pressure. That was one challenge. And then a challenge as a stylist to make sure that, you know, I claim I'm a stylist, so I have to be good at it. So the clients have to see it. So that was a challenge. And then on a personal level, I, I'd never worked a day in my life for in a company. So around yeah. so many people. So my ability to interact and mingle, although I'm a very social person in general, but it was still a challenge for me to make sure that I can survive in a workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and also I'm, I'm a lot older than most of the people I work with. So that was the other challenge that I had to fit into a much younger space. Like we're talking people in their late 20s and early 30s and yeah. me in my early 40s. So you have to have the skills to do the job, A, that's the most important thing, but someone who can fit into the culture. If you're amazingly talented and you're an asshole, sorry, can I use a word? I don't know if I can use a word. I'll cut it out. <laughs> sorry. Uh, so if you're amazingly talented, but really are an idiot, like you, you really, you know, you're, you're not fit for Farfetch. Farfetch is a great workplace for anyone looking to be a part of a diverse culture that welcomes everyone that is fit for the role. You have to blend in. As Asif says, you cannot afford to be an asshole. But the takeaway is more on the culture and diversity because Asif himself is a man of different nationalities. Kenya is a beautiful country, actually. Uh, I think it's heaven, but my opinion is biased. Uh, I was born a Kenyan. Uh, my parents, my both my parents are Kenyan. My dad is actually born in a country called Burundi, which is, you could say, Rwanda, like close to Rwanda. But he grew up in Kenya as well, and he is a Kenyan nationality. My mom is a Kenyan national, my grandparents, my great-grandparents. We are four generations, four or five generations in Kenya. And before that, we are Indian origin, Gujarati Indian origin. Many who moved to Africa, some moved to Kenya, some Tanzania, some Zanzibar, some Uganda, some wherever, right? Everybody moved. Uh, so my ancestors had moved to Kenya. And so but I was, even though I was born in Dubai, as you know, you can't have a citizenship in Dubai. So and so I lived as a Kenyan till I was till I got my Canadian passport maybe when I was like 22. Uh, and then now I have dual citizenship. Uh, for anyone listening to this who wants to venture into this field what are some of the things you realized very late or some early mistakes that you made while doing what you did i think one of the biggest mistakes i made was i started without knowing enough okay. i needed to do more before starting so i should have studied more researched more understood the profession a bit more understood the I don't know if you know much about fashion, but fashion is, is insane. It changes every two seconds. It's so big. Every country in the world has its own fashion. Of course, there are major players in fashion, but like there are so many smaller players in fashion that are so relevant. Okay, mm. I just didn't know enough. I think that was one mistake. I think I should have learned more before starting out. I guess one of the things that I learned slowly as time went by, I wouldn't say it's a mistake, but maybe some things you just have to learn on the job Mm -hmm. is that people really need to trust you. And that takes a certain skill and takes a certain know-how and ability. So I think that that sort of something that I learned on the job slowly, and I didn't know in the, in the beginning how to gain someone's trust Mm -hmm. because remember I'm making them spend a whole lot of money. So they have to trust me. What was your first, like, how do you, when do you get the confidence to finally start charging for what you're offering? 
because for a long period of time you were not taking money right what got you that confidence the reasons i wasn't charging is because i wanted to learn easier to get people to start when they're not paying so i think that was the main reason and then i started to say to myself that look i think it's time to start and if they don't like it then they can go to someone else actually it kind of worked out better because when you charge people take you a lot more seriously mm-hmm. they don't miss appointments they're not late because they end up paying for it they action very fast you should always charge if anyone's listening to this don't ever do. i mean you can do some free work in the beginning like just to learn like but i would suggest you learn with your friends but yeah. people who can actually afford you should pay you do you remember any client that has spent like do you remember the number not the name of the client that has spent the most on a on a wardrobe change or on on shopping with you yeah do you remember the number well i went out with a client once and we bought only two things this is many years ago this is before the whole watch boom we bought a gown for her for her she had an event that she was hosting and i believe the gown was about 60000 dirhams so we okay. that's what is that about 15 16000 and a watch which was 85000 dirhams was a hublot and that's about i don't know $25,000 so we spent that in maybe 2 hours are there any failures in this job i've never mentioned it and i'm not going to give you his name yeah because he's very popular in in the uae but uh, very strange character extremely wealthy and i was contacted by someone in his family that he would like to have a stylist because he has a lot of like social engagements and basically needs new clothes every week an indian businessman that's all i can say and uh, i was invited to his office to have a meeting i have never in my life he's a really nice guy he was he was very uh, polite very hospitable i was in his office he was very kind we joked we talked he was a great guy he's very smart very intelligent this guy was so cheap my god i i can't imagine how cheap like he 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 started giving me his i don't know whether it's a i don't know whether it's a businessman thing or indian thing or whatever maybe he felt that i knew he was such a rich man that i was going to overcharge him mm. and this guy was like you know you don't don't think i'm so rich because you see the cars outside they're not really mine they were gifted to me and you know he was like thinking i was like stupid you know really yeah. i mean if somebody's going to gift you that car and i'm not going to tell you the car but if somebody can gift you that car that means you're you're definitely somebody right he was really pretending to be very poor is wearing a very big watch he said look i make my suits at this one place and so we have to use him i said okay fine it's not my choice of tailor but and he said i never spend more than 2000 dirhams on a suit it's like i spend more than 2000 dirhams on a suit you should and judging from his suit he <laughs> should be spending more than 2000 dirhams on a suit okay yeah i mean for a guy at his level he was so cheap like he it was unbelievable how cheap he was he only cared about having a big watch and a big belt cheap clothes and he will brag about it so you know how much i bought this shirt you see this mm. shirt is only yeah. 200 you know it's it's fine by me like okay i have to work with the client's budget so there was no issue there i said okay fine i'll work with your tailor we'll figure something out and i knew that i could once i gain his confidence i could move him to the next level mm. i really could and he with the money that he had he could do wonders with his looks you know and his style and his presence so he said okay send me a um, your quotation i sent it to him and 
honestly, judging from how cheap he was, mm. I sent him a very low quotation and he came back to me saying it was too much money. And I was the lowest that I would ever go because I'll tell you one thing, and I should, probably should have said this before, money can buy you a lot of things, but it cannot buy you class. That's a worthy contender for the episode title, but the title is different as you probably noticed. And that's for what's coming next. Asif has gone through two fights with cancer. He has ventured into something very different from the family business. He has two beautiful children and has transitioned into a new phase of life that is very different from what he usually did before. There's a whole lot more for him on this journey, but as of now, what does a successful life really mean to him? As we near the end of the episode, here is something for you to take back with you from this particular episode. What do you see yourself in the future, having a successful life, making it, sitting back? It can either be spending time with your kids, it can either be chilling with your family in some place, it can either be finishing a good day of work and coming back home. What is it for you at this moment? Look, it's, it's a very difficult question, to be honest. And it's exactly all of the things that you just said. But this maybe maybe one thing I can add. For me, a successful life is when you reach a stage in your life when you're completely free to do what you want. You have your you have no shackles. Your job is not restricting you from doing something. Your family is not restricting you from doing something. Your social circle is not restricting you from doing something. You have the freedom to do whatever it is that you want. I think that is the true success and happiness in my books. Today, if I want to leave doing what I'm doing, like how I left my family business to move, for me, that was a sense of freedom to just leave everything behind and just move on to the next thing. And I think that it's the hardest thing to do because everybody has some shackles, something that's tying them to something, you know, whether it's family, children. I mean, I had cancer. I had a baby, new baby born. I had like responsibilities, bills to pay. And I said, you know what? screw it, I'm going. And I think that that, is, that freedom to be able to do that brought me a lot of happiness. I think that whoever's listening to this, they can chase all the money in the world. They can chase all the women in the world, all the men in the world, power. They can chase everything. Nothing is going to really give them that satisfaction until they are completely free, completely like the true freedom of being able to do whatever it is that they want, whenever they want however they want. If you like that episode, share it with others. You never know how you sharing it could impact someone in the most difficult of times. You never know, you might just share something life-changing for someone else. And yes, the common drill. Follow us for the latest updates on LinkedIn and Instagram. We're here to stay, we promise. And we're bringing a whole lot more for you. Stay tuned and goodbye for now.